0: All right, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. Uh, Jason, you want to flip the first slide up. Uh, Pastor John asked me this morning, made a comment this morning, about man, this, this process seems like it's gone so quick, yet it's taken so long. It was actually Valentine's Day is the day I called you. Um, I told him if I looked at my calendar long enough, I would figure it out, and uh, and I did. It's Valentine's Day. The picture on the left um, was in middle of January. Uh, pastor search team meeting, and we thought we were almost done then, and actually we had a meeting on Valentine's Day, and the search team came expecting to celebrate being our last meeting together, uh, to which we had to come to the conclusion that the two candidates that we thought we had were were out, and we were back to square one, which prompted a conversation with John, who is here today, um, and actually it goes back a little further than that, Um 2018, Max and Doug brought a series of messages on church reformation, and Max said a lot of times during when he gave a message that the Lord is doing something in this church. And I've told Max numerous times, he was right, we had the year wrong. I think we were expecting something that year, and it was four years later, Um, almost the day, because it was May 20th, 2018. I had wrote in my journal, what reformation does Lord have planned for Dunphy Missionary Church? And are we willing to change to whatever that plan is? And I thought this week, just thinking about this day, the sign out front is a, is, speaks to that change. We have endured a lot the last 18 months, a lot of good spiritual growth, as a congregation. Not all been easy, but it has, it has been good. Um, you know, we can always look at those things going forward, and if we would know what we were getting into before we started, we probably wouldn't go down the path. Carol and I have had this conversation numerous times. If we knew all the trials we were going to go through with our kids, we would never have kids. But when we get to the other end, and we look back, it's like, man, the Lord did provide through all of those times. And I think we can all say that about the last 18 months and the role Alan uh, has had in that. Uh, I put this up there. Uh, The other picture is this last Wednesday night and all the ground that got covered in that uh, from January to June. Um, And we can have all the plans we want. This is probably the one thing the Lord reminds me of the most is I can plan all I want, fairly planful person. Uh, but he will order my steps. It will be in his time, and he will, he will enact his will. And uh, this process has definitely been uh, just another uh, glimpse of that. Uh, so we're here this day. Uh, the pastor search team and the leadership team uh, couldn't be more excited to bring uh, Pastor John to you as our candidate for Living Hope's uh, next lead pastor. As we head into this next phase of our service, John's going to bring us a message, and I want to do a brief introduction of John, um, but as I do that, I would appreciate uh, if him and Danielle and Jace Lee and Janie would make their way to the front, because I am going to have a word of prayer over you uh, um, before, we, before John gets started. So uh, we all got to uh, see Pastor John and his family on paper uh, a week ago. We got to meet... Uh, John and Danielle, on Wednesday, um, and have a time of just Q&A and and fellowship. Uh, I am happy to report that John successfully completed his licensing process at the Missionary Church this week, so now we're done with that. If we give him one more form to fill out, he may have something to say. It's funny, I told him we had our own questionnaire And I told him, I said, hey, I think on your licensing questionnaire, you can probably copy and paste a lot of those answers over, because I think we ask a lot of the same questions. He reminded me there was one, one question, Brian, that he could copy over. Uh, As a quick recap, uh, John was born and raised in Leo, uh, Indiana. He met his wife, Danielle, who was raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, He met her in Ocean City, Maryland, I believe, while vacationing. They were married in 2011, currently reside in Fort Wayne, have two... Very cute daughters, Jace Lee and Janie. Uh, Danielle has a passion for working with autistic children and is co-founder of uh, Child Autism Center in Marion, Indiana. John graduated from Huntington University whoop, whoop, uh, in 2004 and is currently seeking a master's in theology. Spent his first eight years of ministry with Fort Wayne Area Youth for Christ. His campus life director in Cherubusco, most recently was youth director at New Covenant Worship Center in Fort Wayne. Uh, for nearly six years. So at that, I would like to offer a word of prayer over uh, John as uh, as he brings us the word this morning and uh, this next phase for our church. Lord, you are so good. You've been faithful to us and patient with us uh, as we have navigated the process of selecting our next lead pastor here at Living Hope. Lord, this day is not a surprise to you. You have ordered our steps, uh, just as it says in Proverbs. You, know, you knew before you laid the foundation of this world that John, being obedient to your calling, would be here to bring us a message with anticipation of being affirmed as our next lead pastor. You knew that he would have the perseverance to go through the humbling and grueling task of becoming a lead pastor. Lord, I ask that you anoint John as he brings us the message from your word, a message that will help us see your work in his life and challenge us to strengthen our relationship with you. Please give him clarity of thought and speech. Help calm his nerves. um, And to just rest in your presence. Lord, be with his family. Lord, I pray that you grant them safety and calm any anxieties they may have. Protect them from spiritual attack. Uh, Lord, help them carry the weight of being a pastor's family. Uh, Lord, we know the burden isn't uh, easy, but uh, Lord, we know that you can lighten the load. Strengthen them for the days ahead. Uh, and Lord, uh, you're you're just so, so good. You've provided in so many ways. And we trust that uh, you'll continue to do so in the days ahead. All we can say at this point is just thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for your patience with us as we don't get it right. But yet you still lead and guide and provide. Uh, Lord, we just... Uh, Again, just thank you. We just ask all these things. Your name, Amen.
1: Good morning. Awesome. <laughs> Good to be here. No pressure. Awesome. Let's, let's begin. Um, thank you so much for the kind words and prayers. I can definitely feel prayer, and um, that's the best thing about me right there. Is my family right there, adorable, and uh, the one that kept talking. She's a talker. So <laughs> you're here. Uh, it's going to be fun and enjoyable journey. So. Like Brian said, I am John Pels, and it is an honor to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, I first want to give all glory and honor to Jesus for letting me have the chance to preach uh, with you and in his name today. I know many of you also got to meet my wife, and of course, she left uh, already because she's taking the kids down, but I personally want to thank her and my kids um, also on this journey. There's been a lot of prayer, a lot of conversation of moving forward, and so it has been a great blessing and a time to actually grow closer together on our journey, getting closer to God. So I want to thank my family. I also want to thank my friends and people that have just been praying over the situation. It's been fun to talk with Brian and others of the leadership team to see their journey, but also... Unique because I have this journey and how it's all come together and so for all of my friends and all my people that have prayed for me on this I thank you and uh, can't send enough love your way and also I know the kids left but I had a great moment before uh, I got here my I got uh, here a little bit early had to do mic check everything my family was out there and so my wife texts me, hey, will you come out, help bring the girls in. And As I'm walking out, all the kids are waiting by the door. They're all like jumping around, excited. And they look at me and they go, we're waiting for your kids. (laughs) And I knew my place right then. But no, the joy of their hearts to see more kids and the joy of it made me laugh and smile. And to go out there, oh, to be childlike. Oh, to the, the joy of the faces, to see that. And so I thank you, and I know, but, and I thank the kids for that, that joy that I got to experience as they're excited to see my children. Um, a couple of things I want to make sure I get into before I really dig uh, in is, first, first thing I want to do is to live the word of the Bible out. My family and I are not perfect at all. And God is still helping shape us. But we know someone who is, and he is perfect. And his name is Jesus. Second, I want to teach the word well. This book right here will do so much more than a funny or good story I tell. This is the truth. Third, I want God to move me and us in the right direction He wants, not the direction I want. And fourth, sometimes I'm sarcastic and enjoy good dialogue. I mess around. So I'm sorry if I'm not funny or you don't get any of my jokes. I just want to get that out right from the beginning. There's so much more that I'm excited about, and I hope to dig more and more into this if the uh, the journey continues. But as I begin, I was told a couple things. First, I was told, bring your best sermon you got. You better bring it. And then some other people said, no, talk some boring stuff in Leviticus. Just set the bar really low. And then you only go up from there. So... I love all those helpful hints and helpful, uh, I guess, guidelines, but all I can do is bring the word and, uh, the, to the best of my ability to you each and every Sunday. So this might be the best sermon I ever preach, or it might be the worst. We're about to find out. So, um, but before we uh, dig in, let's uh, begin with the word of prayer. Is there any, Father, I... Thank you so much for this opportunity um, to praise you, to worship you, to come alongside other believers, and give you all the glory. May my words be your words. May I speak the truth of the Bible. May may people hear you and not me. I thank you again so much for the breath in my lungs, and I thank you so much for the love that's already been shared. Um, and just communion with each other today. We love and praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a Christian home. And first of all, I want to thank my family for growing up in a family that loved Jesus. I've been, as you notice, I've worked in youth ministry, and many people that I work with don't have that privilege, don't have that honor to be able to know jesus on a daily basis or to have that conversation to know start to know his heart and as i grew up there were two things that were fundamental in the Pells household love god love people love god love people my dad had been a youth pastor for 24 years and those were the two things that we grew up with and i i believe it it's it's in Scripture, and I believe those are, are really, really strong. But as I've continued to grow, I wanted to know what those meant, how to really love God, and how to really love people. And so, as I've dug in, I've found some more nuanced and some more points that I think add to the structure of what it is to understand how to execute those out. And I'm excited to share this with you today. These points... And the reason why I did this is this is a more of an overview, so you get to know me a little bit better. You get to see what I'm excited about and what I think us as believers in Christ should be excited about. So let's dig in. The first point, which I believe is the foundation is built on, is first is God loved. Think, God loves us. But in Romans 5, 8, it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Also, I want to read John 3, 16 through 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. We must know that God loves us for us to move on to the next five points. How has God loved us? From the beginning. Creation. How amazing to think about Him creating this world that we have. To sending His Son, Jesus, when we had fallen and sinned, that he loved us so much to send his son. Salvation from our sins, to know that we are sinners. He said, he, in Romans 5, 8, he said he loved us while we were still sinners. He didn't love us because we had done something or had earned his approval. He loved us even though we were his enemy through strength through hope, through peace, through comfort. And even the day that we celebrate today, Pentecost. God shows His love. Pentecost is first introduced in the Feast of Weeks in the Scrolls of Leviticus. In the New Testament, Jesus' followers are gathered for Pentecost when the Spirit of God comes down and fills them with His presence. God's Spirit now lives in a new temple, Jesus' body, His people. Pentecost literally means 50, and we celebrate it 50 days after Easter. Oh, for the Holy Spirit to seal us for our, ins- our uh, assurance in His faith in Christ, to correct us, to produce fruit. It's amazing to see God's love and how He loves us every day. So as we dig into the next five points, we're going to go quick, okay? As I said, an overview, and then hopefully, if everything goes well, we can dig in more. See, I'm already setting up teasers. See, (laughs) dig more in uh, each week of the following weeks. But the second point is that it didn't change from what my dad had spoke to me. The first one is still love God. Matthew 22, 37 through 38 states, and he says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The first command is to love God. This is not just a mind or knowing kind of love. When you truly love something, there is a commitment and a vulnerability to it. An example. The first time I told my then-girlfriend, now-wife, that I loved her, there was some vulnerability to it. There was some nervousness. There was weapons if she doesn't feel the same way back, weapons if there isn't the relationship, weapons if I'm out there, there's vulnerability, there's commitment. There is some danger. I think a lot of times we in this world have substituted or lessened the word of love. We have now made love. I love tacos. Really? You love tacos. You are committed to tacos. You are vulnerable to tacos. Okay, we're all vulnerable to tacos, you know. But we've lessened the word love. We have now lost the tension of truth and love because all of a sudden it's like, oh, I love someone, so I'm going to let them do whatever they want. It's like, oh, my child, I love, I love my child. The oven's on. She can touch it because if I say no, if I say no, there's that risk, that vulnerability. Then if I say no, then she's, not, she's going to be mad at me. She's not going to like me, even though my best we have less than the word "love today, and we need not to. We need to hold that word in reference. Are you committed and vulnerable to God? Do you love God? The next point is to know God. That's not N-O. That's K-N-O-W. To know God. That is in John 17:3 yeah look at there if you're if you have the bible you turn there it says this and this is eternal life that they know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent to know god to be intimate with god through time prayer silence I think you can know facts about someone, but not know God. When I was growing up, my favorite basketball player of all time played for Indiana, Indiana Hoosiers. Now, I know some of you like Purdue. I'm sorry. I got to pray for you more. <laughs> I was a Calbert Chaney fan. How many of you have heard of Calvert Chaney? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. This might... How many of you heard of Michael Jordan? Okay, so now that more people have known, back when I was a kid, I knew all the stats. I knew everything about them. I even shot free throws the same way Calvert Chaney did. He was left-handed. I was right-handed. It didn't matter. I was still practicing <laughs> that way because I knew him. It's funny, if I saw Calvert this afternoon... I saw Michael join this afternoon and go, "Hey guys, how are you?" They'd be like, "And you are?" <laughs> you can know facts about God, or you can know facts about someone, but actually never know them. There's no, I guess, intimate relationship there. It's sort of like the Pharisees. You can know a lot, but you actually. Don't really know the source. A quote from Dave Browning says this I am convinced that the gap holding back most believers is not the gap between what they know and what they don't know, it's the gap between what they know and what they are living. We are educated beyond our obedience. And saying that is we, as a culture, know a lot of stuff, know a lot of information, but are we living it out? Do we know God's heart so much that when we enter a situation, we know how Jesus would handle it because we know him? Or do we just know of God and know his stats Do we know God's heart, and do we want to obey it? And if you can't tell, these points will all start overlapping. Because if you love God and you know God, it's going to lead to this third point. And the third point through the first one is, does God know me? Does God know me? This is in 1 Corinthians 8.3 and in Matthew 7.21-27. Corinthians 8.3 states, But if anyone loves God, which we already talked about, he is known by God. And then Matthew 7.21-23 states, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. God didn't say, I never loved you. I never thought about you. He said, I never knew you. And I I wanted to dig into that, and I found a great one that really, a great example of what really set to me is by uh, a commentary by R.T. France. And he says this, to know is uh, is commonly used in biblical literature for much more than acquaintances and recognition. It denotes a relationship. That's like me, and my wife loves this is when I use her for examples, is when I, first time I saw my wife, Danielle, and I go, in my head, she's attractive. Boom. Like, that is a fact. True fact, I know that, I felt that, did that. That did not denote a relationship at all. There was... There was no communication there. There was nothing there. It took work. It took a conversation. It took listening to her. It took talking out. But because of our now 17 year relationship, she doesn't even need to say anything and I know what she's thinking at times. I don't know if you've ever been there in your relationship You get the look, which I might be getting right now. (laughs) But you get the look and you know what she's thinking because there's a relationship there. Do you have that kind of relationship with God the Father, with the Bible, with Jesus, with knowing? Do you have that kind of relationship where you know that you can, how to handle a situation, how how to go to him? When you're feeling of temptation, how to pray, how to be with him, an actual relationship. Do you know God? And he know you because you guys have spent time together. Or is it just information gathering? He gets to know you through a a couple of ways. Through prayer through reading, accountability. And one that we also miss a lot is, I think, silence. We like, I'll be honest, I like to talk to God. I like to tell him how I want the day to go, how I want stuff to be, or how I think the world should go. How often do I sit and let God direct Me, my heart, where I'm at. A lot of times through prayer, we want to control the narrative. We need to be in the direction of what God wants and the God direction that He wants. God wants to work on your heart. If you haven't noticed, you can start putting these points all together. If you're obedient, that bleeds into knowing God. And then knowing God bleeds into loving God. It's a beautiful tapestry connected together in this amazing relationship opportunity with the one true God. Now, I have two points left, but if you haven't noticed, these last three points are all, let's go, vertical. It's all God and you. Dealing with God and you is relationship. The next two are horizontal. The next two are horizontal, and we're going to dig into these right now. And the, the fifth one, the fifth point, is another point that my father said was to love others. Matthew 22, 39, and Romans 13, 8. I want to do, uh, give you a couple minutes to dig over. And I'm sorry, I know a lot of you uh, were all over the Bible today, but I wanted to give you an overview, and we'll... Focus much more each, uh, each week on, uh, we'll sell down much more on verses. But to love others, Matthew 22, and 39 and Romans 13, 8 state this. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So when we were talking about love God, we were already in Matthew 22 on the first point of uh, loving god and now this is the next one where it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself and then romans thirteen eight says oh no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law if you are truly loving god and knowing god and him knowing you you are truly free to love others abundantly. We don't love others because we have to. Because God, God won't love us if we don't love other people. No, because our vertical relationship is right, we are now able to love properly others. You can only produce... I'll give you this example You can only produce godly fruit if you are connected to the source. The source is God alone. If I handle things in the flesh as John Pell's, I fail. Let's give you uh, another example. My father is fixing up a 1955 Chevy truck. Yeah, it's a mess right now. But he's working on it, and it's come a long way, and he's got a long way to go. But imagine that day when it's all done, when it is, pick your favorite color. It doesn't matter, green, blue, but you know what I'm talking about. It's sitting there. It's all shiny. The chrome looks good. Everything is working. Like, it looks like, oh, wow, that is something to behold. Someone took their time and worked hard on it, got their original parts on it, got all this looks good, looks great, puts the key in, turns it, It doesn't go, doesn't go, opens up, look, the engine's all right, everything's good in there, the spark plugs are even in there, they're all good to go, everything shuts it, what does it start? Realizes that there's no gas in it. If you don't have the power or the source, it might look good but it actually does not do its function. Its function is to drive. Its function is to get to A to B, to place A to B. It might look good, but if you are not connected to the source, you can't really love others. You have to be connected to God to be able to love others properly. I figured out a lot is in my own life when I feel like if I loving others is a chore I'm doing it myself and when I love people properly I view it as Jesus does and it is not a chore it is a gift where are you at in that finish up with my final point here and that is to disciple I'm excited about this point, and I cannot wait to dig into this more and more in the upcoming weeks. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I will give you time to get there because I love it. Oh, yes, and it's up there as well. I love it. This is great. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A big realization for me was that this verse was not just meant for pastors. This was meant for all of us. We are all called to be disciple-makers. We are all called to be a disciple of Jesus. What a privilege. In this verse, Jesus is talking to his disciples who he has poured three years into. Time upon time. Disciple making is not a quick fix thing. I want to use the example, and you're probably going to hear me say it a lot. It is a crock pot meal compared to a microwave meal. There's a difference. All of you have put that one time, that one minute and 30 second microwave meal in there and it gives you something. But there is a difference when you make that crock pot or you have it. John, you know what I'm talking about. When you go and you put the potatoes in, you put the beef in, You put the vegetables in. You put it, and all of a sudden, it takes hours, doesn't it? It takes time to cook. But you get the aroma of the smell. Yeah, that's why I said. I knew he'd love it. You get the aroma of the smell. You get the meal, and then all of a sudden, you get something healthy. You get something good that's lasting. But it takes time. It takes work. Cutting it up putting it all in. That's what discipleship making is. It takes time to pour into someone's life, to invest into someone's life, and also for someone to invest in you. You have to ask yourself, are you being invested into? Have you allowed someone to speak into your life? A common analogy, and I even mentioned it this last Wednesday night, is if your main goal is, I want to get in shape or work out with someone, who are you going to pick? Someone that knows every show of Netflix and just watches TV, or someone that knows the gym and how to work out? You're probably going to go to someone that has been there, done that, so they can help train you and do that. We need to do the same spiritually. If you know someone that is more spiritually ahead, or someone that you're valued, have them invest in you. And then another thing is, we have to be able to be able to raise the next generation. We can't just assume we have it. There's other people that need to. Co- we need to come alongside and help grow. It's something, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about, and very excited about, and hopefully be able to continue on with this in the future. These are the six points. And they are so interconnected, and I hope to start the process of working uh, through this in a healthy, godly way. God loved, and we are to love God, to know God, God to know me, love others, and disciple. I usually love to end with the actual application to your life and a next step process, and, and I have ideas of how to execute that in the future, but you actually have an action step right after I leave here. So good luck with that. Um, All I have to say is that it's been amazing to see God work through this time in my life and to hear of Living Hope's journey as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today. May God bless you and your walk every day. Let me pray. There you, Father, I thank you again for who you are and what you're about. I praise you, worship you. Just thank you for the mercies and grace that you have given. May you be with everyone in here. May the conversation be great. May your name be glorified in whatever they decide. I just thank you so much for what you do and who you are. Once again, we love you, praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.